good morning, Springbrook. Hope you're ready for the picnic coming up at 1 o'clock at Dikey Park. We're going to have a great time together. Uh, but before that, uh, we've got a great time of singing our praises of the King. We're now going to study His Word. How many of you heard about the big silver treasure that was found at the bottom of the ocean this past week, or at least was announced? Yeah, fascinating story. It's a picture of the ship. Back in 1941, the SS uh it was a British steamship that was carrying silver from uh, then the colony of India to Britain. And, of course, it was secretive, but a German U-2 boat took it down with a torpedo. Well, they know it's been there for quite a while, and the British government uh, decided they wanted to uh, recover it, so they made a contract with a Florida company uh, to discover uh, this treasure and uh, bring it up. And so about 10 years ago, they invested this money, and they finally found it after that 10-year period in 2011, and then they decided to bring it up, the silver that is, and it's so deep they had to use the robotic arms and took a long time. There's a lot of silver there. But eventually they were able to bring it up, and here we see some of the silver. Sixty tons! Sixty tons of silver they found. What a treasure! And here's a picture of what it looked like after it was cleaned up with the original insignias. They found a lot of other interesting historical artifacts, and it sounds, or what I read was that the company I think the British government gets 20%. The company gets the rest, so they'll probably take in a cool $60 million for all of their work. Now, at the same time, how many heard about the Powerball winnings this past week? <laughs> probably a lot more people. $448 million. There are 16 guys out of the maintenance garage in Orange County, New Jersey, and they all decided to go in together, and they hit the jackpot. Here you a picture of uh, some of them talking to the press. So if they take it over a lifetime, it's $150 million, but if they take it in a lump sum, I think it's $86 million and $58 million after taxes. So it's interesting you have these treasure hunters who recovered $60 million worth of silver uh, that they're going to collect on. And that took them like 10 years. And you have these Powerball guys that <laughs> picked up a cool $60 million just from playing the lottery. Now, if you had to collect your cool $60 million, which way would you prefer? <laughs> well, I think we all have that instantaneous orientation of wanting to get the goods real quickly with a lot, without a lot of investment. But the Scripture teaches us that the instant way of maturity just does not work. In fact, the Bible teaches us that if we're really going to truly know God in all of His richness and experience God in a, a very unique way, in the way that He wants us to experience Him, we've got to go on a treasure hunt and not buy a lottery ticket. 
We see this in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 reads, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Now, the great thing about this is that this is a guarantee. Now, when they went looking for the silver, there was no guarantee that they'd be able to find it and bring it up. But we have a guarantee from God that if we seek after him, we will find him, that he will reveal himself to us. And my experience has been, as I have ministered to Christians, is that many are very casual in their approach to God. And they're not real disciplined in seeking God out. And therefore, when some type of difficulty comes in their life, some crisis arises, they'll go to God and God will help them, but they will not experience God's help and comfort and the resources he has available as another person would who's been consistently seeking God day after day, month after month, year after year. There is no instantaneous maturity, friends. It's a lifelong process. And God guarantees us the more we seek Him, the more we know Him, the more we will find this incredible supernatural peace that cannot be found in this world. And I believe that the primary tool that we use in seeking God is His Word and prayer. Those two tools together. God reveals Himself through His Word, and then we understand and build it in to our relationship with Him through prayer. And that's why we're going through this I Prayer series. We have four different weeks we're talking about this. Last week being reverent in prayer. This week being responsive in prayer. Next week making requests in prayer. And finally making yourself ready in prayer. Now we're looking at the disciples' prayer. Many times people refer to it as the Lord's prayer. But really it's the disciples' prayer because the disciples came and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. So he gave them a prayer just for them. And it was never intended, I believe, to be just said verbatim. Now again, you can say it. You can pray it if you really think about the words. But many times when people memorize a prayer, it just becomes ritualistic and they say it to say it, but they're not thinking about the words. But through the Lord's prayer, I believe that Jesus was intending that we draw out a pattern in terms of the type of things that we come to God with. So let's take a quick look here. Pray then like this, Jesus said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We talked about that last week, and we have some hand motions here to help you remember this pattern. So reverence, reverence, the idea of looking to God. Then your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a downward stroke. That talks about the response. First of all, we discover who God is, and then we respond to Him in submission in another way. Then it says, Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. That's request. And so there we touch our heart. The request comes uh, from our heart. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's a fourth type of prayer, and that's a prayer of readiness to be protected from Satan's attacks and to move out and to do his will. So we have four different hand motions here, and you'll see listed in the four for a pattern of prayer. We have up, upward, which is reverence to God, looking to him, then downward, which is response, responding to him, and then we have request, which is our heart request to the Lord, and finally we have readiness, getting ready uh, for the battle. In fact, Dean Brandt, one of our elders, told me last week he felt like he was back in a church that he grew up in, you know, the sign of the cross, <laughs> the sign of the Father and the Son and the Holy uh, Spirit. Uh, now that, according to the Catholic Church, is an official prayer, and that can be. Uh, they say you should say that all the time to bless different things, but that also can become ritualistic. We certainly want God to bless our life, and we want to bless Him. Uh, so all that to say is that uh, maybe that's a way for some of you to remember how we're doing here. Now, why don't we all stand up, get our blood flowing, uh, wake us up as we get into God's Word here, and we're just going to practice these hand motions. Just a clever way to help you to remember the pattern that Jesus Christ gave us to pray. So first of all, we have reverence, then we have response, then we have request and readiness. Reverence, response, request, readiness. Reverence, response, request, readiness. Reverence, response, yes. Okay, all right, you can sit down. Now, those are the four critical things we're looking at. Now, the reason we're talking about this is because we have a heart-strong passion, a heart-strong vision here in our ministry. There are four different elements of our heart-strong vision you'll see here. The first is that we want to love God together, as we're doing today. We want to love God one-on-one, -on -one, which we're talking about in prayer. We want to love our community. We want to love our families. And you so faithfully give to our heart-strong vision and we want to give you tools that you can use to cultivate a relationship with God, to become a self-feeder where you yourself, you don't have to be dependent upon me or other teachers or other books. You go to the Word yourself and dig in and let God speak to you. And so uh, what uh, I'm encouraging you to purchase if you're so interested uh, is this prayer journal that we talked about last week. This material is based upon... Uh, Daniel Henderson's material. It's called the 2959 plan. In fact, we just had a little seminar. That wasn't a seminar. It was just a little meeting we had, an orientation, I guess you could say, in terms of how to use this. We'll be doing that in the future. Uh, but again, this is a plan that's based upon that 4-4 pattern that I just uh, taught you. And uh, it's based on the Lord's Prayer. And I would encourage you... Uh, to pick this up. These are 25 on the internet. We're underwriting it through our HeartStrong resources in order that you might be able to take advantage of it. It's only $10, and if you have financial constraints, please let us know, and uh, we can just give you a copy. But again, if you can learn this particular system of prayer, I think it will help you throughout your life, no matter how long you use this particular journal. There's also a CD in here that will explain how to use it. And uh, again, in the future, I'll be telling you more. Uh, maybe having some more orientation. So 
Uh, that's one encouragement to you. Uh, we have a lot of them back there today. So if you ordered one last week, you can pick yours up today. It has your name on it. There's another book by Daniel Henderson that I encourage you to pick up if you're so interested. Again, we're discounting this from 10 to $5. Uh, if you're just kind of really interested in this whole area of prayer and you say, I want to know more, this is a great book a primer to get you thinking about prayer and how it relates to your life and, and how it can become such a tremendous tool in growing your relationship with God. You'll find that over on that wall uh, if you'd like to purchase any of those items. So let's uh, take a closer look at uh, some of these four steps. Uh, we first of all look at uh, Matthew chapter 6 just for a little review from last week. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. We talked about the fact that back in that day, the Jews saw God as a transcendent God, a God who was way up there, a God who was sovereign, a God who was all-powerful, but they didn't necessarily see him as an intimate God, a God of love, a God who was like your dad. And In fact, the word here for father is the most intimate word in that day for a dad, Abba, Abba. So, when Jesus Christ said this, this was totally new to the disciples and his listeners, and it's the idea that God cares so much about us. At the same time, we do see his transcendence when he says, hallowed be your name. You are holy, you are set apart, you are totally different, you're otherworldly, there's nothing, thing li nothing, li nothing like you, and so therefore we see who God is. And the key question when we look at this is we ask, who is God? When, when we spend time in reverence to God, we're acknowledging who God is, and as we look at scriptures, we're asking the question, who is God? What can I learn from this particular scripture about who God is? Because that's the way I want to worship Him. I want to adore Him in that way. And what you're going to find, or maybe have already found in your, your Christian life, is that if you really want to grow deeper, you need to, know, you need to get to know God better. Not just intellectually. Many of us are good at intellectually knowing God, reading God's Word, knowing what it says about Him. But experientially, spending time with Jesus, listening to Jesus, uh, just being with Jesus, that is the experiential knowledge of God that we need, plus the intellectual knowledge of God. And friends, the more you learn about who God is, the more you spend time in His Word, the more you spend time in prayer, reading God's Word, listening to what He has to say, again, the more richer your Christian life will be. I was just thinking about this the other day. So many times... I, I become concerned about the future and how I'll feel in the future, what will happen to me. But I forget that what's happening in me today spiritually is that God is going to slowly change my whole perspective on different aspects of my life. See, the problem is we assume that we're going to be the same in 10 years than we are now. But you see, if you continue to let God be with you, that's if you continue to let God to teach you who He is, you're going to approach life so much differently in five years, ten years, because you have a totally new perspective on life. 
So don't worry about the future with the current perspective you have because if you continue to seek after God, He's going to change the way you think about a lot of things. And that's the beauty of growing in the grace of Christ. Now, a couple of things that we really emphasized last week. The first thing was to seek God's face before you seek His hand. Seek God's face before you seek His hand. First of all, we look to God. We're so quick to go to our prayer requests and what we need God to do, and that's understandable, but it's not what God tells us to do. God says, first seek my face. First come to know me. And the more you know me, the more your requests will change about what you really want in life. So first seek my face, uh, then uh, before you seek his hand. The second thing is let God speak uh, first to you in your prayer time. Let God speak first in your prayer time. This is very important. When you sit down for a formal prayer time, I'm not talking about as you're flying through your day and you're asking God for certain things, so you need to pray unceasingly. But when you sit down, the first thing you should do is open your Bible because you want God to first speak to you. You want to find out who God is and what He has for you and, and how He wants you to be more like Him and the power of Christ. You want to drink that in first before you respond to Him. Remember, reverence first. How do you revere God? You focus on His revelation, and then you respond to Him. So again, you can take any devotional you have out there. I've been encouraging people to uh, look at Jesus' calling, which I think creates such an intimacy between you and God as you really think about the Scriptures. Uh, there are other devotionals you can use. But start with some type of scripture, some devotional thought, and then ask the question, who is God? So, when I talk about having your devotions, your daily office, your quiet time, these are the questions you need to ask. This is a 4-4 pattern. Uh, first of all, who is God? You look at scripture, whatever passage God leads you to, and you say, okay, what am I learning from God about God, that is, in this passage. So that is reverence. Second question is, how shall I respond? How shall I respond? That's the issue of submission, submitting to God's will, and also responding in praise and thanksgiving. Third thing is, what should I pray about? Okay, what's on my heart? What does God want me to lift before Him? And finally, where do I go from here? We'll be talking about that in two weeks idea of readiness, that we're in the midst of a spiritual battle and we need uh, God's power uh, to do His will. Now let's go to the second piece. We've talked about reverence. Now we're going to look at response. Reverence and response, Matthew 6.10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're praying, God, I want your kingdom to come. Now, is God's kingdom here yet? No, it's not here yet. We are not living in God's kingdom. We are living in Satan's kingdom. Now, some people get weirded out when they hear that. Oh, that's so out there. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not out there. It's reality. All you have to do is study our culture. Look what's on TV. Surf the web. Listen to people talk. The system that Satan is created in this world, and God has allowed him uh, to do that because of free choice. Uh, again, 
he's created a system that just encourages us to sin all the time. He's encouraging us to give ourselves over to our lust, to our desires. It's all about us. It's all about what we want. Those are the messages we constantly hear from the world system. It's all about what you want in life. In fact, now the New Age, uh, New Age has been around for a long time. Oprah helped popularize it more in the last uh, 10 years. But hey, we're all little gods, right? The problem is people call themselves little gods, but they can't solve their own problems. I wouldn't call that a little god. You can't solve your own problems, right? The point is, that's what Satan says. Hey, you're God. That's what he said to Eve, right? You can call the shots here. But we need to realize we are sinners. We're little sinners <laughs> and sometimes big sinners. Uh, yeah, we're just plain sinners. And we need to humble ourselves and we need to give ourselves over uh, to Jesus Christ. This is Satan's kingdom, a Satan that's uh, a kingdom that is full of lies. But the good news, for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are citizens of God's kingdom. We are citizens of God's kingdom. We are foreigners. We are aliens. We are strangers passing through uh, this land, looking forward to Jesus Christ's coming kingdom, which, again, I believe will take place at the second coming, as we read in Matthew 24, 27. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. When Jesus Christ comes, everybody's going to know it simultaneously, and he's coming to judge. He's coming to set up his kingdom. I believe he's going to set up his millennial kingdom, a thousand-year kingdom here on earth, and that's going to usher in the eternal kingdom when he will reign as king forever, and Satan will no longer be a part of the picture. And that's what we're looking forward to, your kingdom come, and, and we have the great opportunity to build that kingdom, in a sense, as we wait, because the people who are going to be a part of that kingdom are going to be Christ followers. So we've been given the marvelous opportunity to be able to show people the love of Christ. We are reminded of this in Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your God who is in heaven. We are living in a dark world. We're living in Satan's kingdom. We're living amongst evil. And Satan wants to destroy every person on this earth. And we have the great privilege of shining God's light. Why do we want to shine God's light? So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We're to shine our light so people can see God in us. Who are they? Well, they are the people that sit next to you in your cubicle. They are the people that you live next door to. They are the people that you go to sports activities for your kids with. Uh, anytime you come in contact with with people who don't know the Lord, uh, they are the people that you need to show the light. And the question that you and I need to continue to ask is, okay, here I have a job. Do people see the light in me? Do, see, do people see a difference in my life? When they look at me, they say, that person is strange. That's light. <laughs> okay, <laughs> That person is different. That person is not with the program. So Think about your job, your neighbors, 
people who don't know the Lord that you come in contact with and you think about it, do they see something different in you because of, you've had a long exposure to them? They probably said something about it. The way you talk, what you talk about, the way you make decisions, the way you treat other people, the way you spend their time, they are watching you, and as you shine the light, you're bringing God's kingdom to earth because you're showing them what the true kingdom is and, and hopefully how they can be a part of it. And that's our mission as a church to be a lighthouse. And as we go into our community to shine the light so that people will see a Jesus Christ and what a wondrous opportunity and privilege uh, that is. So I just encourage you, especially uh, during this summertime when all the bears are out of their houses <laughs> enjoying uh, the sun, to take advantage of building those relationships with gospel friends at barbecues at your house, do things outside when people want to be in outside on the outside because in a couple months they're going to disappear. <laughs> and we want to use these opportunities to have fun with people who don't know the Lord. So in the midst of that fun, the midst of that relate those relationships, uh, we can show them uh, what's different about us. And as the Holy Spirit prompts them, they will be drawn uh, to himself and they'll be a part of God's kingdom. Now, let's continue on here, Matthew 6.10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, this many times is part of the Lord's Prayer that's quickly uh, passed over. But I believe that it is the most difficult thing pray with integrity to say your will be done you like God's will sometimes I like God's will I like I like God's will when it's pleasant I like to teach this is God's will this is cool I love to share biblical knowledge I, I like uh, God's will when it's agreeable yeah when it makes sense. I like God's will when it's understandable, when I know why it's happening. It makes sense. I don't even mind God kind of stretching me out of my comfort zone. I don't mind when uh, when God challenges me, when I have to, like in an exercise regime, push my body uh, beyond uh, the limits. That's okay as long as I understand it, as long as it makes sense. But there are some times when I don't like God's will. I don't like God's will when it's what I don't want to do. That's the bottom line. <laughs> if, I, if I don't have any desire to do it, I don't like God's will. I don't like God's will when it's painful. When I have to sacrifice my time, my money, my energy. When I have to put up with things that I'd rather not put up with. I don't like God's will especially. Especially. Especially, this is, this is the key right here, when I don't understand it. When God is allowing certain things in my life that don't make sense to me, I say, God, what is this accomplishing? I, I can't figure this one out. And for some of us, that goes on years and years. We have certain conditions. We have certain circumstances in our life. And they make no sense to us, and they cause pain in our life. That's another thing I don't like about God's 
When I'm experiencing pain, it doesn't make sense why I'm experiencing pain. God, give me an answer. At least tell me why you're doing this. Because I can't get crazy about your will unless I see some purpose behind this. Let's look at a, uh, well, let me look at one more passage before I go to another one. But, but you see, figuring out God's will uh, is not easy. We look in Romans 12, too, it says, Do not be conformed to this world. Don't, don't be conformed to Satan's kingdom, right? And his values that the world is pushing. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect will. So don't buy in to this world's value system, what Satan's trying to push, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that comes through this book and through the Holy Spirit speaking to you and Christ working within you. Think in a new way. Think Jesus' way. That by testing, by experimenting, by seeking, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. It's sometimes very difficult to discern what the will of God is. Now, we have a lot of the will of God right here in Scripture. <laughs> he has a lot of things that he wants us to do through his power. But at the same time, you're thinking about taking a different job, moving. Uh, you're thinking about uh, marrying. You're thinking about going to a school. There's all kinds of things where it takes a lot of discernment, a lot of prayer to say, what is your will? And to figure that out. Now, let's move on to this next passage that uh, speaks deeply about this issue of when we struggle with God's will. Mark 14, 32-42, records what happened with Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. Jesus Christ and his disciples had just left the Last Supper. Judas had gone to betray him. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, uh, an olive garden that they often went to. Uh, he stayed overnight there sometimes. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter, James, and John. So he took prayer cover with him. As we talk about this, this whole topic of prayer, it's so important that you have people praying with you. Praying with you. Jesus Christ brought his disciples with him. He didn't say, you guys stay here. You know, I'm going to go out to the Garden of Gethsemane and have my time alone with God. No, he brought them all with him, right? Because he needed that prayer cover. He said, I want you to pray. And Peter, James, and John, his inner circle, those who he was closer with, he said, I want you guys to pray. Pray for me. I need prayer. You say that to people. I mean, technology is a wonderful thing. Now we can uh, text people, right? I've done that before. Pray for me. The next hour I've got a meeting or pray for me. I have a decision to make. Or email someone. Or put it on Facebook if it's appropriate. Okay. Uh, again, ask for prayer. That's one of the main responsibilities that we have towards one another in this body is to pray for one another. And that's the most effective thing we can do for each other. But who do you have praying for you? That's why I always encourage people, get engaged in a small group. Find a, a, a Christian peer who you can walk with and pray, 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 pray for each other because that's where the power comes from. So he says, sit here 
while I prayed. And he took with him Peter, James, and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. Jesus Christ was overwhelmed emotionally. My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. So he was saying, God, I want to do your will. But if you've got a plan B you haven't told me about, if you came up with another idea while I've been down and tell me about it, I don't want to go to the cross. This is Christ's humanity. Who wants who wants who wants to face execution? Nobody, especially the type of execution that they had uh, put together in a crucifixion. Jesus had seen crucifixions. He didn't want to go through it. He said, "Please, Lord, remove this cup from me." The word "cup" is from the Old Testament. It speaks of God's wrath, and that's exactly what happened on the, on the cross. God's wrath was poured out upon Jesus Christ on our behalf because of our sins. Yet not what I will, but what you will. He says, God, I prefer not to do this. But not what I will, but you will. Are you there today? Are you in a situation where you'd rather God change the circumstances, change the people, change the surroundings, but it's not happening. And you're able to say, God, I prefer it this way, but not my will, but your will. It goes on, verse 37, and he came and found them sleeping. A great support group, huh? And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. So it wasn't enough just to say, remove the cup once. He went back again and he said, Lord, remove the cup. And again he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were very heavy and they did not know how to answer him. And he came the third time. So three times he said, remove the cup. Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Is it enough? The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See my betrayer. Is at hand. This is very insightful when we talk about do we really want God's will in our lives? Uh, you know, there's so many of you, I mean, all of us, have some issue in our life that we'd like to change, and for whatever reason, God isn't changing it. It could be that we're dealing with chronic pain. And we say, God, can you just take the chronic pain away? You could do that. I know you have the power to. But what God does sometimes is he allows things to continue. It's not his will that you have chronic pain. Chronic pain is from the fall. It's the curse of sin that we have pain and that we die and that we have cancer and that we have illnesses and mental disorders. It's all from the fall, tornadoes and tsunamis. It's all from the fall. Everything got messed up in the fall, right? So those are not God's will, but sometimes he allows them for his greater purposes. And it's hard for us to understand because we don't want to hurt anymore. We don't want to hurt physically. We don't want to hurt emotionally. 
But for whatever reason, God doesn't change it. Or maybe it's a relational issue. Maybe you're in a marriage where it's very challenging. It's, it's very difficult. It's never what you expected. And God said, change this person. <laughs> or you say, change uh, this person. And God's not changing that person. And they're sinful. It's their choice. That's not God's will that they be like that. But again, he's not changing it. And you say, why, 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 why? You've got a child who's just an outright rebellion. Or you have a child who's just a burden for whatever particular reason. And you say, God, couldn't you just do me a favor and change this? Or maybe something happens in your life, an accident that changes your life. You lose your job. You lose a loved one. And you say, God, why? Why, 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 why? I don't like your, your will or what you're allowing to happen in my life. And then we look at Jesus Christ. It's clear that Jesus Christ did not want to go to the cross from a human standpoint. He didn't want to go there. But he said... Not my will, but yours be done. This is an issue of lordship, friends. This is an issue of maturity. This is an issue of saying, God, your agenda in this world, for this world, is greater than my little life. What you want to accomplish in my life and other people's lives, you are wiser than I am. Many of you are familiar with the fact that... Uh, Rick and Kay Warren lost their one of their sons uh, to suicide back on April 5th, about four months ago. And he had a sabbatical, and he came back just two weeks ago. So I was listening to his message after coming back from his son committing suicide. His son's name is Matt. You see a picture of him here. And his son, Matt, struggle with mental illness. He was borderline personality, had a borderline personality disorder and serious depression his whole life. And Rick and Kay Warren were speaking together. I'd really encourage you to go to the Saddleback uh, website and listen to it. But they were speaking about uh, how for 27 years they had prayed that God would heal Matt. That was a very intelligent young man. He was very sensitive. He was very caring, which made it even worse because he realized how different his life was from other people's. He knew what normal life was, and he realized he wasn't experiencing it. And Rick was saying that his son lived a tortured son lived a tortured life, which many people with mental illness do, because it's severe. So they kept praying, and they had all kinds of people praying, and he talked about a hope box with verses of hope, praying that God would heal their son. And of course, they did everything else. They went to the best doctors and medications and therapies, and you name it, they did it. They said, God, could you please, please heal our son? It was interesting, he was talking about 
was several months before he committed suicide, and they could tell that he was going downhill, and it was their fear that he would commit suicide. And uh, five days after Easter, he didn't text them. He had been with them the night before. They had a good relationship. It's just that he was he ran out of hope. And on that Saturday, they, he didn't text them, and eventually they, they went to his house, and they called the police, and they knew what had happened just uh, intuitively, and their son was dead. After all that prayer, they did everything, everything that they could, but he said mental illness took the life of my son. Now, now suicide is a sin but it's not the unforgivable sin. He was a follower of Jesus Christ, and he's with Jesus Christ today, and Rick Warren said the thing that comforts him most is not the good memories, like many times at funerals we'll talk about all the good memories. Uh, again, there weren't a lot of good memories for Matt because of uh, his mental condition, but Rick was comforted by the fact that he was with Jesus, and now he was free from those mental disorders that plagued him. And then Kate was talking, and, and she said, she said, all you can do is embrace the mystery. Again, they'll never know the reason why this happened. And most of you will never know the reason why certain things happen to you in your life, why God allowed certain things to happen in your life. I mean, we have a, we have the Garden of Eden in our hearts. <laughs> That's what we desire. That's what God created us for. So when Adam and Eve sinned, sin came into the world, and things have been messed up ever since. And I think part of our problem is that we expect life to go really well. But when you read God's Word, I mean, that's not the way it works. I mean, certainly God blesses us, and God gives us wonderful things, and we should enjoy life to the hilt because we have a relationship with God and enjoy everything that he's given us. But life will continue to deliver pain to you and I. And not accepting that is going to create more pain. You're going to have more problems in the future. You're going to die. Well, that's kind of a problem, but at the same time, it's a wonderful thing if you know Jesus. <laughs> as it removes you from the sinful world. You know what I'm saying? And, and friends, you know, when I talk about seeking after God, when I talk about cultivating a relationship with Jesus, when you come to one of these events in your life, when you come to a circumstance that throws you, when you come to a divorce, when you come to a death, when you come to an accident, when you come to an illness, when you come to something that you never thought would happen to you, the depth of your relationship with God will greatly determine how you respond to that. Now again, God is going to be there for you no matter what. But I'm just saying, maturity helps you to trust in God when there are no answers. And as Rick and Kay Warren were sharing in their message, because we have no idea why this happened. We have no idea why God didn't answer this prayer, and we won't know on this earth most likely. But we trust in God because we see they have a track record with God. 
And that's what maturity is. It's a track record with God. It's a deep belief in this book and saying God is God and certain things are going to happen in my life that I have no clue why and they cause me incredible pain and if you're weak in your faith, they might question you to doubt God. Well, I think we all go through times of doubting God no matter how mature we are, but there's more of a chance that you're going to walk away from your faith based upon how mature you are when when the uh, tornado comes into your life. So that's why I just continue to encourage you, and I do the same thing in my life, seek to encourage myself and other people do, just to go deeper in our relationship with Jesus. Because at some point, we're just going to have to accept. I mean, look at what Jesus Christ, three, three different things. First, he said, take this cup from me, right? I don't want it. And that's okay to ask. That, that's okay. Hey, I, if, if you have some type of condition or some person in your life that needs to be changed, you keep on praying. God says, don't stop praying, okay? But at some point, something will happen where nothing's going to change, right? A person dies, whatever. And then you have to go through that process of accepting and grief and finally just accepting. And we see that... What Christ did, I mean, he went and he asked God over and over, three different times. He was God. You'd think one, once would be enough, right? <laughs> but he was fully human at the same time, and so he kept asking. But at, at some point, he accepted. He said, the hour has come. And from that point on, he had committed himself to do God's will. Now, on the back of your message notes I have this this pattern that we've talked about the 4-4 pattern who is God how shall I respond what should I pray about and where do I go from here this is what you can use every day in your prayer time this, this, this structure of prayer who is God now I put Psalm 1 down here but if uh, my message today has touched your, a nerve in your heart and soul about some issue in your life where God is not answering, I would encourage you to look at Romans uh, chapter 5, uh, verses 3 uh, through 5. Romans 5, 3 through 5. And meditate on that. It's about suffering and the nature of suffering. Write that down. It's not on your message notes. But again, I want you to be self-feeders. I want you to interact with Scripture. And so, please take this home and look at Psalm 1 or some other passage. But again, what you see here are the four questions you ask as you look at the Word of God and as you pray. All right, let's pray together. Lord, I pray for my friends this afternoon. I pray for those who are really struggling right now. Uh, they're mad at me because I brought this up. They were trying to forget it, but uh, it's so hard. Life is so hard sometimes because of sin, because of uh, the sin of others against us and the curse on this world. Lord, I know there are individuals here who are, are saying, why God? Why God? And it's so hard for them to embrace the mystery, and it is. It's only through the power of your Son 
that we can get to that point. And many times that process of accepting something difficult in our life takes years. It takes it takes hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of prayer of coming to you and saying, God, why, why, why? Help me to understand or help me to accept and trust in you that even though if I don't understand your will or why you've allowed certain things to continue in my life because they were of sin, help me to accept them and help me to lean on you and look at this as a wonderful opportunity to just depend on you every day in the midst of the pain that I'm experiencing. Lord, this is some of, some of the most difficult things we can talk about in the Christian life. But it's the things that we need to come to grips with. And I, I pray for those who are struggling to talk with me or uh, the pastors or the small group leader or whoever, Lord, might be able to get some resources and help them as they uh, mature in you. Lord, thank you for your grace and for your love and your kindness. And Lord, when we're in those dark places, we tend to doubt those. We tend to think that uh, you're not who you are, that you don't have the power that you have, that you're not as sovereign as we thought, but you are, Lord. Help us to see the truth. In Christ's name, amen. We're going to have uh, Pastor Rich.